been fighting through it this week, just trying to get better and be well. So I'm, I'm thankful to be with you and be upright. I'm bringing a stool on stage because I may not stay upright the whole time. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, but I, I'm, I'm thrilled about what God's going to do in the next couple of minutes with us. Um, if you've been with us for the past three uh, weeks, we started uh, a journey called Black Sheep. Um, and really we were just having this conversation about the church. And I really just had a lot of confession time early on in this uh, this series that, that began earlier this month, and just saying that I, feel, I got a lot of baggage with the church, um, and it was never shown, and I never had anything that was done to me, but I had all this internal baggage that the Lord really had to unpack, because I've always felt like a black sheep, kind of no matter where I went, and as we begin to look at the family of God, it's really about all of these individual black sheeps that, that Jesus has brought into one place, and we're family, we're family, and uh, and God uses one another to build each other up and encourage each other and to lead uh, into the greater truth and mission that he's called us to. And so we've just been unpacking the idea of the church, and we've kind of been running with this really simple definition that the church is adoption into the family of God. The church is adoption into the family of God. It's not just coming, you know, like it's not just attending, it's not involvement. It's none of those things. The church is actually coming through Jesus and being a part of the family of God. That's really what the true church is. Um, and then the second part of that kind of definition, the church is, is part of being a part of the family of God, adopted in the family of God, and then participating in the mission of God. That uh, If you've got a relationship with Jesus, if Jesus has changed your life, then that's going to that's gonna propel us forward into the mission that he's called us to. And we began to unpack that a little more last week, and today we're going to kind of um, not finally, un- not fully and finally unpack that, but we're going to continue to unpack that, and it's going to kind of launch us into our series next week on Nehemiah. Uh, most, some of you have probably read the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to be doing like a five-week study on, on that book, and it's really powerful. I think you're going to in- enjoy it, so invite your friends out. Next, next Sunday afternoon, we're doing kind of one of our quarterly get-togethers after uh, next Sunday afternoon. We're going to be doing it over here at Losco Park, so it's a great time. Invite the neighbors out, invite the friends, the family, and uh, we're going to be doing burgers and dogs and just kind of uh, hanging out, so we'd love to see you and your friends and family there. It'll be a good time at Losco Park. You'll hear more about that later on. So we're going to dive right into the scriptures this morning. We're going to come to Matthew chapter 16. We've actually, I don't know if you've noticed, I didn't really say this, but we've been spending the majority of our time in the Gospel of Matthew um, for this whole month, and we're going to continue there today. And uh, in this text, uh, we, we find um, some, some really cool stuff, uh, and we're going to pick up at verse 13, and uh, we'll work our way down to verse 20, and then we'll, we'll begin to unpack it in regards to living out the mission that God's called us to. Uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus asked, What about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Other translations say the Messiah. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, or other translations, by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Wait, he just called him Simon, now he's calling him Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys um, of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Jesus is all about that evangelism, right? He's like, don't tell anybody about me. <laughs> that was a joke. It was like a, 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 a light, it was a light joke, but um, my punchlines aren't as strong when I'm not feeling so hot, so forgive me. Um, or, I'm just, or I'm just not that funny. It's one or the other. It's probably both. Um, uh, so I, I love this passage, um, and it's, and it's kind of hotly debated, and we'll kind of unpack why it's hotly debated. But basically says Jesus is going to build his church. And we also see the name change of, of Peter here. Uh, a couple of years ago, after we had launched, uh, probably been about two years ago, uh, we did a series called Names on all the times God changed people's names. And this is one of those that we use. And, and so coming back to it today is cool. So uh, I really want to talk about just kind of, again, we've been unpacking what the church is. But from this text, I want to talk about the church. I think the first thing that we see here in um, the, the life of, of Peter um, is that this was not revealed to him, this answer of who Christ is. And it's something that every single one of us have to answer. And, and if you're anything like me, I, I grew up, and many of you did not grow up in church, but I grew up in church, and it was handed on to me by flesh and blood, right? It was handed on to me by flesh and blood, by man, of who Jesus was. It was handed down, handed down, handed down. And that was all well and good, and, but that never satisfied. Like, that was never good enough. And, and some of you, maybe it's always been man, and that deeper revelation from the Father has never happened for you. And if it hasn't, I'll pray that'll happen today. And if it doesn't happen today, maybe it'll happen this week or in the coming days. And I, but it, the Father has to reveal that for yourself. And so I actually lived for a long time doing the Christian thing on the outside, Right? I was attending all the time because mommy and dad told me to, uh, and they didn't give me a choice. And I was super cleaned up and super polished on the outside, but I was super empty on the inside, and I didn't have a true revelation for myself. And uh, as I spiraled downward in my pain and agony of, of fleshly living, um, finally I was at a place where I'm like, God, I want you to reveal yourself. If you are real, then you've got to reveal yourself to me. Anybody ever been there? Like, if you're real, then I need a lightning strike right over there. If you're real, then here's a, a crazy story. This has nothing to do with anything, um, but it's just a crazy story. And I know a couple of you are like storm watchers, and you'll love this. Uh, this A uh, couple days ago, I went deep sea fishing. And again, this is completely unrelated. This is chasing a squirrel. Um, but we went out on this boat deep sea fishing. It was cool. We caught like 50 fish or something. But I'd never been on a boat, and we were literally dodging storms in the middle of the ocean with this boat. And at one point, we were like um, about 50 to 100 yards on either side of us was a water spout, and it was pretty magical. It was pretty amazing. Like, we weren't scared because we trusted our captain, um, but it was really cool. So maybe you said, hey, if you're real, I need to see a water spout in that water fountain right now. Um, that was, again, a joke. I'm, they're just lame. They're just lame today. That's all I've got. Um, that's, that's, that's all there is. Um, but I think that really the first thing here is that when it comes to the church, we have a lot of manifestations in, in trying to figure out how we're supposed to do this thing called church, right? Because we've got the global church, kind of capital C church, and then we've got local church, and there's all this disagreement about what the global, the local church is supposed to look like, and I'm, I'm hoping to unpack a little bit of that this morning. I think the greatest thing that Jesus is pounding home maybe to us this morning and maybe what he was saying to, to Simon Peter 
was that the church needs a real, true revelation from God. Like, we as individuals, um, we don't need more programs and more models and fancier lights and music. What we need is a true revelation from God. We need God to reveal himself to us. Um, for, for people to go further and further into their faith, um, we, we don't need better systems. We need a true revelation from God. All the systems and models are fantastic, and I love to talk about them, and we implement them, and we do what we can with them. But at the end of the day, the church is built on, us as individuals, is built on a true revelation of who God is and Him building His church up from that place. I think when we look at the disciples, we, we often think that they went kind of from like zero to a hundred in faith, right? Like Jesus was walking along and he, and he just had like a, the Messiah, like Superman shirt on. And, and the disciples were like, oh, there's Superman. Like we'll go follow him. Like if literally, and let's, let's be real. If Batman came into your workplace or into your house or you met Batman, he was like, follow me. You'd be like, all right. You know, we kind of think it's like, uh, whatever you say, Batman, we kind of think it's like this kind of deal when, when they said, come follow me. But no, they were mostly just kind of wanting to walk through this path of being a rabbi. And so they became a disciple of that rabbi. It was a normal practice. Lots of people had disciples. Jesus wasn't the only one with the disciples. But slow, and, and so I think they started at this place that he was just a good rabbi. And slowly but surely, they became, that faith was, grew from this small place to this much deeper place, and it had ups and downs. It wasn't just an up and to the right or zero to a hundred faith, but it really grew over time and progressed. And, and I, I think of all people we see in this, in this um, situation here where um, he's calling him Simon, uh, son of uh, Jonah, um, Think of all the times, all the people that he chose. Here's the guy who ends up, if you know the story, he's the one that ends up denying Jesus. And here he's, he's proclaiming who he is. And, and it kind of goes back to what Paul says sometimes. We, the things that we want to do, we don't do. And the things that we, we don't want to do, we end up doing. You know, and so there's that constant fight and struggle. And the only way that we can be rest and, and, and secure as believers is a real revelation of who God is, and, and maybe you're going through some things um, pretty tough in your life, and, and from this point on, after verse 20, Jesus says, actually, the scriptures say, after, actually from this time, Jesus began to speak a lot of, about predicting his death after this. He's like, hey, I'm going to kind of set this up, and then I'm about to die. Things are about to get real, <laughs> and you're going to need a real revelation of God, so he's highlighting that here, um, and so we need that that true revelation of God. And if we read on past verse 17, and I tell you um, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It's really interesting, and this becomes where the con- some of the controversy is around, or maybe not controversy, just conversation. Um, but it, it's around, okay, I tell you that you are Peter. First of all, he changes his name, and this is so, so powerful to us today. Because again, his name, name, name was Simon and Jesus changes his name. Like what if Jesus like literally said, boom, like I just start calling you something else. In fact, I'm going to do that to someone and just see like if it starts getting on your nerves. I'm not Jesus, of course. But if it just starts getting on your nerves and I just start um, calling Mikey, start calling him Joe. Like, hey, Joe. Like just one of those Jesus things like goes right into it, right into the new name. But there's something powerful about this because the, the name Peter literally means rock. 
Like some of you guys have like, do you know what your name means? Like everybody knows like some of the things. You've got a little card at some point, and I forget what mine um, um, means, but I know our son Beckett means like babbling brook or like led by a small stream, like nothing super hardcore. But Peter's literal name means rock. And so that's where the question begins to come in. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will, I will build my church. So there's a couple things I want to unpack. First, that he, he's changing his name. The guy who is probably most human of all of the disciples. He's the one that speaks up first. Anybody the first person to put their foot in the mouth? Anybody? Are you that person in the group? Okay. So Peter was that person, uh, a little bit overconfident and, and zealous. Even in this situation, uh, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? But he wasn't even directing this towards Peter, but Peter's just the one that speaks up first. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Um, but here he, he, um, he speaks up, and uh, we can go on, go back to, to verse 18. Um, if we can go back to verse 18, yeah. Um, he, and he speaks up here. So first of all, he's choosing this guy, calling Peter, and changes his name, the one who would doubt. And he says, on this rock I'll build my church. And the question here is, is he talking about the rock Peter that he just changed his name, which means rock? Is he talking about Peter on this rock? Or is he talking about himself? Is he talking, um, uh, Jesus talking about himself? Like this rock, the chief cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected, uh, you know, Christ the solid rock I stand. Is, is it that, is Jesus talking about himself? Because he was constantly referred to as a cornerstone, even in the prophets before this. So in fulfillment of that, he, that rock that he's talking about, or is he talking about Peter? And most of the time people pick one or the other. And I don't know that we necessarily have to pick. Knowing Jesus, this is probably just really, really deep, and we just have to unpack it. And there's probably like, he's saying both. He's like one of those super deep person, people that's like, oh, that, that meant kind of surface level, but that also meant something really deep. Um, and I think it speaks of this. It speaks of our co-laboring with Jesus in the mission to build a church. I mean, at the end of the day, it says... I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my church. Like some of you that have been with us any amount of time, you know, um, we haven't grown at the pace we thought we would or, or would like to this year. Um, but I, I think ultimately we rest in that statement that Jesus says, I will build my church. I, I will build my church. And, and I think there's the, the dual layer that Jesus is going to build his church, but we are co-laborers with Jesus um, that, that he is using flawed people like Peter who will end up doubting him and will deny him three times. And he uses people like that and he changes their identity from what it was and says, no, you're a rock. And so I think we have to see this beautiful relationship. We're a rock because on Christ the solid rock we stand because of what he's doing, not because of what we're doing. As long as we keep that in order, we see this beauty of this relationship that we are never in the mission alone. You are never in the mission alone. And, and you may have trouble responding to the voice of God that says, hey, go next door and talk to that person. Just let the conversation happen and let God lead it. You may have trouble doing that, but know, but know that God is with you in that. Like Christ is present and you don't have to worry about the words to say or like even in the workplace trying to be the witness that, that God's called you to be in that place. Know that Jesus is present and you're co-laborers and sometimes we're called to sow, sometimes we're called to water and other times we get the opportunity to reap. 
And whatever it is, it's God that makes them grow. And and it's our duty to just be faithful and walk with the Lord in this and know that it's built on and through Jesus. And so there's this co-laboring thing here. And I think it it brings me to just the the thought that we need to become kingdom-minded. I think uh, one of the, the big burdens of my heart for many years has been for the church, the global church, to be kingdom-minded. Because far too often we're not, as individuals, we're, we're not kingdom-minded, and we're not kingdom-minded as churches, that uh, we actually keep score like we're in competition against other churches. Like, because the church down the road is doing well, um, we should, you know, make comments about them sellouts, you know. (laughs) But man, how many times have I heard in the church, I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about all over the place, constant, just critical spirits about other works, about what God's doing in other ministries. Is everything someone else is doing right and like godly and biblical? Probably not. Are we doing everything right? Probably not. (laughs) Like, I can confess that. And so we, we come to this place, if we're kingdom-minded, we're going to stop, you know, tearing down other churches, and we're going to encourage unity in the body of Christ. And, and when we drive by, and we're like, oh, I bet, instead of making comments about what they should spend money on, or their leadership, because we used to attend there, we'll just turn that into prayer, and praying for unity in the body of Christ, that they would do more. That's kingdom-mindedness. It's not just praying for our church to grow, but praying for the church to grow, that's kingdom-mindedness. It's, it's, it's stopping being selfish and start sowing into the local body. If we want to be kingdom-minded, it's less about our kingdom getting bigger and more about God's kingdom getting bigger. And then we'll quit doubting and believe. One of the parables that Jesus uses in Matthew 13 says the kingdom of heaven is like a single mustard seed. It's like the smallest. If you look at a mustard seed like what we look at, they're like kind of normal-sized seeds. But old mustard seeds, these are like more of an eastern Chinese seed, that they were super tiny, and they would sprout up, and they would grow extremely fast and extremely large. And he said the kingdom of heaven is like a single mustard seed planted in the dirt. And he said if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, throw yourself into the seed and it'll be done. And so many times we are like Peter and we're living in the old identity and not in the new identity that on Christ the solid rock we stand and that we're a rock because he called us a rock. Uh, And there's strength in our hearts because it's built on Jesus and through Jesus. And you may be going through a season right now where your roots are being planted and your roots need to to sink down. And and some of that is physically. Some of you are new to the area of Jacksonville and like you're just literally getting your roots. Maybe you're in a new season of your life Um, whatever that might be, be a new job or newly married or newly divorced or or whatever, and and you're you're letting those roots sink down. You may just be going through a tough time and like let those roots sink down into Christ. I think sometimes um, external growth can lie to us when everything is going right. Um, I I think when our money is kind of going up, we, we look less about where the money's going. Does that make sense? When everything is good on the outside, 
there's not as much movement on the inside. But when things aren't going as much, there's a lot of introspection, right? So God's doing a lot of good things uh, in our lives, whether it's external or internal. He's wanting to work in our lives. And I think the big part of us is being kingdom-minded and, and digging those roots in right where we're at and let God do his work in our life. So it's built on and through Jesus, the church is. And so verse 18 continues and says, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Um, We live in a crazy time, and one of the saddest things I feel like I experience and, and hear is from believers who don't have hope. And and believers who live in fear. I just find it a little bit weird, you know? And I'm like, hey, hey, like, remember, remember the good news? But remember the good news? And, 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 so, and some of us, even in this room, like, it, it's very easy to fall victim to in the world we live in, and there's a lot to be kind of disappointed about or depressed about. Um, there's some ugly things that happen in our world. We're disappointed by our favorite TV show's ending. We're, we're disappointed by the movie stars our kids look up to. We're disappointed by politicians that we elected. We're disappointed. We're disappointed. We're disappointed. It's easy to kind of lose hope, and in that losing hope, fear creeps in. But remember that perfect love casts out fear. Remember that the more that we're rooted and grounded in Jesus, that is allowing that fear to escape us. And whatever you may have fear about right now, I just pray that the love of God would just help that dissipate, would just not just help it dissipate, but would literally cast it out. That perfect love would cast that fear out, and we'd find fullness that we will not be overcome. Like, come on, like, can we just get excited about the fact that, like, we're good, folks. Like, it may come, the the waters may um, roll in, the storm may come, but, like, we're going to be sitting tight because we're on the winning side. Okay, here's the good news. You can read to the end of the book, we win. Like, good news, we're on the winning side. And so many times, man, we just constantly hang on to this baggage and this burden and this lack of hope and this lack of joy. And the people of God look nothing like what the people of God should look like. And the people of God don't have mindsets that kingdom-minded believers in Jesus should have. And I think maybe if you're in this room and you've been fighting with that, and like there's fear coming in, and there's doubt coming in, and you're afraid of the things that are happening in the world around you, and look, it was happening then, like they didn't even understand. The scriptures tell us that the disciples didn't even understand when Jesus was constantly predicting his death that he was like serious about it. Like they didn't, it wasn't all clicking. I don't know if they were super sharp, but some of them were doctors and others, you know, were fishermen. So I don't know. Maybe the fishermen were smarter than doctors. You never know. Um, but, and it, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, I, I think they didn't even at, at times truly understand what Jesus was saying. So when it started happening, even after Jesus was crucified, they were like still sc- probably scared and like, I, I don't know, like he said something about three days. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean he's coming back? Like, you guys think that's actually what he meant? So there was this conversation that was constantly going on about it. And so I think we ultimately have to, to rest assured that we have this beautiful perspective of it now, that we're not walking through it in that, but we know the whole story. We know the whole story, and, and that we will not be o- overcome. And so if you're, you're fighting that fear, if you're fighting some of those things, let those roots sink down, and sink down into the love of God, the perfect love of God. 
not the love that we've been disappointed with on this earth, but the genuine, unconditional love of the Father that will cast out those fears in our life and lead us on. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, um, but that, that's always an interesting phrase to me. First of all, like there's a key, there's keys. Um, that's just an interesting idea to me that would be handed these keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's Jesus like literally turning over the Lamborghini to the 16-year-old kid that's still figuring things out. But got it all figured out, Jesus. Yeah, I would love to drive it. And then we really kind of get in the driver's seat and I have the keys of the kingdom. And, um, you know, what does that actually look like? And he, he continues, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Christ. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. And just to unpack what I feel like that means for just a second, and I'll, I'll sit down. Um, <clears throat> I think ultimately that, that Jesus wants to give us a deeper purpose and a deeper responsibility. I mean that in this room. Um, you may have an idea about what your purpose is in life and in the body of Christ. And, and I believe that the Lord wants to reveal that deeper and deeper in our lives. And you, you probably have a lot of responsibilities in your life, a lot of things on your plate. If you're anything like me, you got a lot, anybody got a lot of things on their plate? All right. We, we usually know how to get too many things on our plate. Um, but I think ultimately God wants to give us something that goes with that joy, that goes back to that. And it's a deeper purpose and a deeper responsibility to give us those keys. And, and some of us in the room, we just need to be honest with ourselves. We're like, hey, I'm all about this Jesus thing, but taking the keys to the kingdom, eh, I'm not feeling that, bro. Like, look, come, I mean, be real. Like, I got enough responsibility. I'll find my purpose in Christ and not in the mission of Christ. I'll find my, my purpose and identity in Christ, but it never makes that next layer. And I think ultimately we miss out on the full picture of what being a part of the church is about. It's not just being a part of the family of God, but it's also participation in the mission of God. On this rock, I'll build my church. And I think we miss out, and I always describe it like this. I, I describe it as a well. Um, I didn't grow up on a farm where we had wells, particularly the old school ones that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the old pump wells. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've probably seen them in an antique store or in a movie or something. But it's these old pump wells that literally, to get water to come from it, you literally had to pump it. You had to pump it. And I, I feel like being a part of the mission of God, being part of the relationship with the church, there's a well that runs so deep. And that water is eternal water, and once you taste it, you'll never run dry. Just like the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. Remember her? He said, woman, I have water you know nothing about. And I feel like some of us in the room, like if we'll just say, huh, what is that water that I know nothing about? And just ask the Lord this morning, God, help me to tap into something that's so much deeper 
than where I've been living. Something so much fresher than what I've been living on. Give me something where I won't run dry again. And so many times, like we, maybe we're priming the well for a while and we just stop. And we're like, God, you left me. Like, oh wait, you want me to keep priming this well? You want me to keep participating in the mission of God? You want me to keep investing in the people of God? You want me to keep being a part of the family? Yeah, yeah. I do because there's life that comes from that. There's eternal life that comes from that here in this temporary that we're not made to walk this journey alone. And frankly, we, many of us, we just do. And I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful for the people in this room um, that invest themselves into the life of the church and into one another and into what God's doing in this community. And I think we're just scratching the surface for what God wants to do today and, and for the coming months, for the coming years for Fathom Church. And um, I don't know where you're at and what you're going through, but I know this much. There's something deeper in the well that God wants to get to you. Most of the time when we talk about church, when we talk about the Lord, we always think God's trying to get something from us, right? You know, church just wants your money. The church, church just needs volunteers. The church just needs butts in the seats. But ultimately, it's all about God, what God wants to get to you, not what he's trying to get from you. Like, he doesn't need us at the end of the day, but he wants us. He wants us, and he's jealous for us. He desires deeper and deeper relationship. <clears throat> and so this morning, if you're in a place where Maybe God's revealed himself to you and you know Jesus. I know for many of you, you know Jesus in the room. Pray that he'd reveal himself fresh to you. Last week, we, we, were, we ended on just the point um, in Matthew 18 of just remembering what Jesus has done for us. And maybe you just need to go back there, go back to that place. But maybe you're in this room and that well has run dry and you keep looking at it and you're like, God, oh, what's the deal? Why am I so dry? And God's put the mission in our hearts to walk it out, to go make disciples, to go and love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to live it out every moment of every day and know that that water, that eternal life that is gonna spring forward from that We've been given great purpose and responsibility that God wants to, us to walk in. And so I want to ask you to stand today. And as we stand, I just want you to bow your heads with me. And we're going to pray. And this band's going to lead us in a, a familiar song. Uh, and I think it's perfect for today. I think it's absolutely perfect. Um, because it just declares of the great love of God. That he loves us so deeply that he is jealous over us. And I just want you to bow your heads and I'm going to pray and, and I'm going to invite you to the table. And this table is, it's remembrance for what Jesus did. It's a symbol of his body broken for us, his blood spilled out for us. It's remembrance of the goodness of God. It's also presence. It's a tangible, something we can touch and know that he is present with us in this mission. <coughs> And it's also a tangible reminder that he will return.
God, I pray for these people in this room today. I pray for this family of God that's here. I pray for individuals that are searching for purpose. They're searching for hope. God, in this room, I pray that it would be found at your feet, be found at the cross, God. And we wouldn't just leave it there, but God, we would be inspired to go and carry out the mission of God. To let all the world know, God, that we were once blind, but now we see. We were lost, but now we're found. God, and that's all because you were jealous over us and you have pursued us and brought us home. God, we find rest in your presence today. We find fullness in the cross at this table of what you've done for us today. God, compel us, inspire us to walk in the mission of God as a family, as a church, to not get caught up in the things that don't matter, but to be kingdom-minded and, and about the body of Christ across the world growing. God, help us to bind things up right now in our lives, things you've called us to bind up, the things you've called us to loose. Help us to align our will with yours, Lord. That's our desire. The tables are open. They're going to lead us in worship. We're just going to experience a time of worship and prayer together. The crosses are open for prayer if you need prayer today. Um, but come as you are to the tables and let's worship together.